Section 12 of Mimic Life. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. The Prompter's Daughter by Anna Cora Mowat Ritchie. Chapter 3. As the atmosphere of the hothouse forces the flower into rapid development, so Tina's premature training produced a precocious mental expansion. With unwearied devotion, her parents seized every leisure moment to instruct the child. Neither reflected that they were cultivating her brain at the expense of her physique, making large drafts upon the former, which must inevitably impoverish the latter undermining her finely molded organization for the transient display of its marvelous construction. To sow the seeds of religious knowledge as early as her infant mind could receive them was not to commit a similar error. As soon as she could lisp, she had been taught to fold her hands and bow her knees and lift up her soft voice in prayer. The word of God had grown familiar to her ears before she could read, and her puzzling questions often tested the theological knowledge of her parents. As the mother wondered over the child's quick perception in all scriptural matters, she would say to herself, Children are so much nearer heaven than we. It must be so, for does not the Holy Writ tell us that their angels, the angels who watch over them, do always see the face of our Heavenly Father? She had no thought of ever sending Tina to school, that is, to any but Sabbath school of the neighboring church. There she became a pupil at five years old, one of those saintly young girls whose life fashion could not fill up and satisfy, who yearned to bestow on others good gifts she had received, whose heart longed to perform uses and dispense blessings. Finding that her position in aristocratic society closed many avenues to this exercise of good, offered herself as a teacher in that Sunday school. She was very zealous in seeking out little lambs to bring into the fold of Sabbath day instruction. She had noticed Tina in church, and one Sunday accosted Susan and asked her to allow the child to join a class just forming. Susan gladly consented. When she and Robin talked over Miss Armory's proposition, he said, Perhaps they may teach her more than we know. Let's give the birdie all the knowledge of the other world that we can, that it may be a help to her in this. Truth will be a staff for her to lean upon, to keep her feet from stumbling on the rough road. Did you mark, Susan, what the good old clergyman said in his sermon this morning? That every day, every hour, every minute we spend here has its effect upon our lives and eternity, that we are every day building the mansion in which we are to dwell hereafter, that we may lay broad and deep and erect a noble edifice, or so cramp our souls that they will only be fit to inhabit a narrow and sunless home in the eternal future. How something stirred within my spirit and responded to his words when he said that if we loved the Lord in our inmost hearts, there would be no difficulty about the ways and means of serving him, and he would surely give us the desired opportunity. He would afford us faculties for developing all that is good and true within us. He would meet us in our business, our social intercourse, 
our very recreations, that we would no longer look upon life as so much drudgery, so much to be done for the mere sake of substance, but that all things would seem in light of uses, of things to be done in order to exercise the heavenly quality of benefiting and blessing those around us, that this quality would thus grow daily and expand our souls, that the blessings of life would be continually multiplied, and trials and temptations, and troubles and misfortunes would all turn to blessings. Were not those his words, Sue? Do you remember them? Yes, every syllable. And who can feel their truth better than you and I, Robin? The next Sabbath found Tina at Sunday school, seated with a group of little girls in Miss Armory's class. When the bells began to toll and school was dismissed, Tina's young mother and hunchbacked father were standing at the door awaiting her. They could not bear to be separated from their child in church. Their holy enjoyment of the service was not complete unless she sat between them, for those three were all the world to each other, all of human existence they asked to make heaven of the other world. Thus Sabbath after Sabbath passed. Tina and her parents loved this day of rest and worship better than all others. The child became a great favorite with Miss Armory, but the latter knew nothing of Tina's history. A theater the young Sunday school teacher had never entered. She had adopted the social fiction, had become the dupe of that ignorant prejudice which caused her to look upon the temple of dramatic art with a half-species of horror. She entertained a mysterious sort of belief that the theater was some sort of dreadful place, replete with the baneful influences, that none but worthless people found employment there. A theater and the angelic-looking child over whose spirituality, gentleness, and intellectual brilliancy she had so often wondered were never associated in her mind. But it was not possible for this state of things to last. Tina had become so great an attraction at the theater that plays were constantly selected for the very purpose of displaying her histrionic talents, she now began to personate important parts. Her naturalness of manner, richly cadenced voice, her correct enunciation, and fine elocution, the result of her father's careful training, and the impulsiveness with which she threw herself into her role, produced startling effects. It chanced that one of Tina's Sunday school companions, belonging to a proud but par nouveau family, saw Tina at the theater, recognized her, looked for her name on the playbill, and found it Tina Trueheart, the same as her youthful associate. The ill-bred girl grew indignant at the recollection of the familiar manner in which she had conversed with the little actress. She remembered that she had made room for the pretty child to sit by her side, had begged her not to occupy any other place, had coaxed Tina to use her books, had encircled her waist with her arm when they were reading from the same Bible. The wrath of Miss Houghtonville rose in proportion to the measure of kindness bestowed on the juvenile but unrecognized actress. The next Sunday, Tina entered the school at a later hour than usual. 
she had been much fatigued during the week and susan could not bear to wake her from the deep refreshing sleep which sealed her eyelids long after daylight she entered radiant with smiles her fair hair dropping in a shower of natural curls around her hueless face which even her rapid walking had failed to tinge she was breathing so quickly from the hurried exercise that she could hardly wish her teacher good morning she took her seat as usual beside miss houghtonville but the young girl who was four years her senior cast upon her a look of serio-comic disdain rose and changed her place don't go away clara there is room enough why are you going said tina affectionately though still panting for breath i did not know i had been associating with an actress miss tina trueheart and i would not demean myself by sitting beside an actress's daughter an actress exclaimed the young teacher an actress echoed several of the elder scholars yes an actress replied miss houghtonville i saw her on the stage myself last friday night all dressed out in gauze and spangles and i saw her mother too they're both actresses it's perfectly shocking to think of her being here associating with us tina's very pulses seemed suspended so great was her amazement she sat staring at miss houghtonville as though some waking nightmare possessed her no one spoke when her power of utterance returned she bent towards her teacher and gasped out shocking what does she mean miss armory was so startled at this sudden revelation that she quite forgot the child's possible sensations and could only say in a deprecatory tone it's not true you don't belong to such a shocking place as the theatre shocking place and tina started up we don't belong to any shocking place my dear mother and my father they are as good as good as good as you want me to be when you tell me that i must be one of god's children tina's slight frame shook violently and her voice was so tearfully tremulous that she could hardly articulate is your mother an actress are you an actress asked miss armory yes my father is a prompter an assistant copyist and my mother acts utility parts and i act the children replied tina becoming more composed through the conviction that no just reproach could attach itself to them and what has that to do with anything shocking with anything wrong the child's innocent face, the guileless tone of her voice as she uttered these words, and the earnest, indignant manner in which she defended her parents recalled Miss Armory to herself. The thought flashed through her mind, I have unintentionally wounded and injured this poor child. What do I know about theatres? The theatre may be the terrible place they say it is, but I have found nothing but godliness in this little child. Tina stood looking in her teacher's face, her eyes glittering with unshed tears, and her unusually pallid countenance crimsoned by a sense of shame which she could not herself comprehend. "'Sit down, Tina, and we will say no more about it,' said Miss Armory. "'You are here to learn your catechism and the lesson from the word, 
and i have always found you a good little girl and very obedient and studious i have no fault to find with your conduct here the child remained standing but my mother my dear mother you do not think you will not let these young ladies think that she would do anything shocking oh miss lucy you don't know my mother how good she is you are right to love her tina no doubt she is very good there sit down tina obeyed and took her seat as far as possible from any of the other children she did not comprehend the charge brought against her or her beloved parents but she was instinctively conscious of a barrier raised between herself and her former companions in vain she attempted to fix her mind upon her book she kept involuntarily repeating the words shocking shocking how is it shocking how is it bad what could they mean when sunday school was over she joined her parents they noticed her sweet eyes impearled with tears her flushed cheeks and agitated manner the hearts of both were troubled with a vague fear that half divined the truth the service seemed very very long that day when it ended they were in the street again tina in a hurried excited manner related all that had passed ah my birdie has the knowledge of the world's prejudice the world's injustice to us poor slaves of an ungrateful public come to you so soon said the father you must e'en learn to bear all their hard sayings hoping never to deserve them the father what did they mean by shocking what did they mean by calling the theatre a shocking place i don't know how i can make you understand it clearly precious birdie but to but to theatres there have sometimes belonged bad persons bad men and women who were actors and actresses and their sinfulness was made known to the world generally it is exaggerated and believed to be far greater than it was and so it came about that some people are prone to think that every one belonging to a theatre is degraded but it is not so my child we have among us as the annals of crime show that other professions even the highest the ministry of god itself have unprincipled and wicked people but we have true honest god-fearing people also when you hear anyone say otherwise think of your dear mother he pressed susan's arm as on the day when he promised to be all to her and remember that what the world thinks cannot harm you it is what the lord thinks the lord who sees your heart your actions and intentions what he thinks alone has true importance but must i go to sunday school again father when i know they will think ill of me and my mother and think that i belong to a shocking place that word shocking grated so harshly upon tina's young ears she could not forget it yes my daughter you must go and you must bear whatever slights you may meet with you may have to encounter them in life and they cannot harm you when we reach home i will read to you about some great and good men the benefactors of their country who have been reviled and misjudged all their lives but those who were wholly minded performed their duties courageously all the same and their spirits were not broken because they were ill-used and misunderstood 
as the week glided on tina for the first time dreaded the approach of the sabbath though she never thought of shirking from the trial through which her father wished her to pass sunday came a lovely calm bright day the bells chimed so musically everything animate and inanimate seemed to know that it was the sabbath of their lord with a slow step and drooping head tina entered the sunday school her eyes were cast down as if she dreaded to meet the many curious looks turned upon her for the news that she belonged to that mysterious place a theatre had rapidly spread throughout the school and the children leaned their heads together and whispered as she passed them she joined her own class miss armory accosted her kindly without lifting her eyes she seated herself meekly apart from the other scholars no words were spoken except on the subject of the lesson no allusion was made to the occurrences of the sunday previous from that day her whole demeanour underwent a change the frolicsome child was no more all her buoyancy disappeared her features wore a more subdued and chastened expression her ease of manner was displaced by a fawn-like fearfulness that shrank from contact with strangers she had learned her first sad lesson in life there was a chill about her young heart which could not be warmed away her deep dreamy eyes still smiled constantly smiled on all they looked upon and the smile of the eye says more than that upon the lips but the dimpling laughter that was wont to irradiate that face was hushed for evermore many sabbath passed in the same manner as this tina was wholly separated from her former friends that is she withdrew herself from them dreading that they might shun her but there were many who longed to speak to the little girl many who were touched by her sweet submissive ways some had lately seen her on the stage and were curious to approach the public favorite nearer one sunday she reached the school unusually early the superintendent and teachers were not present only a few scholars were assembled these mustered courage to gather around tina and ask her questions she answered shyly but politely won't you walk on your toes for us asked one saucy little miss do said another and make us a pirouette won't you i do so want to see what they call a pirouette you might act a little for us before the teachers come said another now don't be ill-tempered but show off yes show off show off cried all the children tina was so surrounded that she did not know which way to turn her juvenile persecutors met her on all sides none heeded her embarrassment her prayers to be left to herself the children only urged her more pertinaciously to show off they even seized her and tried to drag her to the platform where stood the superintendent's desk and chair children are such cruel tyrants at times in vain tina remonstrated and struggled they were forcing her up to the platform when the entrance of one of the teachers occasioned her release it was not easy to re-smooth the ruffled plumage of robin's poor birdie and her little heart fluttered like that of any bird when pursued by vultures but tina remembered her father's words and she sank down in her quiet corner without uttering a complaint
End of section 12.